right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. Yeah, what's happening? What's happening? Welcome to the show, the Monday edition of Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us if you'd like to join the show. But uh, we got a jam-packed show today for you, of course. Uh, we've got guests early on, so we're going to put off the black facts until the top of the 1 o'clock hour. So I've got some great black facts for you. Probably going to talk a little bit about the Tuskegee Airmen. How about that one? Hmm. Or Shaka Zulu. You never know. So uh, stay tuned for that. But right now, uh, and by the way, let me, uh, let me speak to my co-host. Hey, Robert, how are you doing? What's up, Black? It was a weekend, baby. Did you go anywhere? You didn't? We on quarantine. Where could I go? No, the, the nation has said, hey, forget about the virus. We're going out and celebrating. Yeah, well. You didn't do it. Not everybody's doing it, yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in that age group. I ain't taking no chances. I'm just sorry, okay? So, yeah, we're too old for that. Yeah, I'm telling you. But, okay, so as you all, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the news. And as you all know, we try to go to the source when there are things that are happening around the country because just because it's happening in another part of the country does not mean it can't happen here. So we've been keeping you update up to date on the Ahmad Arbery case. And of course, the case with uh, the young lady in, Le- in Louisville, we're going to get some information on that as well because that was surrounding a no-knock warrant. So what did we have just a couple of years ago right here in Little Rock? No-knock warrant. Uh, no-knock warrant issues where if it had not been for Roderick Talley having videotape in his, uh, in, in his home where it showed the police blew his doors off and they obviously lied and said, no, they didn't, then right. he'd be in jail right now. So, uh, so we try to keep people up to date because, you know, it could happen to you. And that's no different than what happened to a family in Wilming, the Shepherd family in Wilmington, North Carolina. We reported on this story a couple of weeks ago where uh, this house was stormed by apparently a group of neighbors and looking allegedly for a young lady who was missing and come to find out that they had, number one, stormed the wrong house. And number two, one of the individuals that was involved in storming the house was a public of, uh, um, a law enforcement official who has subsequently lost his job. So we wanted to go down to Wilmington and talk to the, uh, the attorney for Miss Monica Shepard and her family and Miss Shepard herself to try to get some information because it's so ironic that over the weekend, the attorney for uh, the, who I call the Raiders, came out and said that, oh, it's a misunderstanding. I don't know if you've seen that article, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. And how could they be racist because they have a biracial child? And Yeah, I did and, enjoy that bit of comic. <laughs> and it's kind of like Jeffrey Dahmer saying, how could he be a, a serial killer because he has friends? So just think about that. All right, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Attorney Jim Lee and – uh, Miss Monica Shepard, how are y'all doing today? Doing good. We're doing great. Thanks for having us. 
No problem. Did I encapsulate that the way uh, it needed to be? You mean yes, the facts? I, yes, oh, the, the facts. Uh, Monica, do you want to clear that up? I'll let Monica speak for herself. She's, she's okay. very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything except they weren't from my neighborhood. So I wanted to clarify that. Actually, my neighbors, everyone in my community that's surrounding me, have really embraced us and they've been wonderful. But the people that came in um, to my home, they're actually not from my neighborhood. So, okay, so if you could do uh, do my listeners a favor, can, if you can, without stepping on any legal bounds or anything like that, can you give us, tell us what happened that night? Well, I was asleep because it was after 10, so I'm normally, you know, pretty much, I go to bed early. Um, I just heard this banging on my front door, series of banging on my front door. I get up, look out my front door window, out of my front bedroom window, and I see this massive group of Caucasian people, and I saw the, the long flashlights, and I immediately run out of my room into the living room, but by the time I got there, my son had already opened the door. He was playing his video game, and he heard the, the loud banging he went and opened the door before I got to the living room. Um, when I come into the living room, I noticed he was trying to close the door on them and they were trying to push their way into the house. And that's when I immediately jumped between my, my son and the crowd and I asked him to step all the way back to the back of the room. So when you got downstairs, was there any com- was there any what was being said by them as they tried to push into the house? Well, um, it is a single level home, but when I come into the living room, my son was saying, no, you can't come in. You cannot come in. And they, of course they were trying to push their way in. And that's when I, when I got to the, to the door, opened it up. um, That's when the, the law enforcement officer was saying, I'm going to step inside, close the door, and talk to you. And I said, no, you're not. Now, well, that, they, now that law uh, enforcement officer was Jordan Kidder, uh, who has been subsequently fired for this, this, uh, uh, this strange act. So he wanted to come in. Were there, any, were there any slurs being said, anybody screaming? What was the atmosphere like? Yeah, there was a gentleman screaming at my son, pointing at him saying, they gave us your name and your address. And I kept asking him, whose name did they give? Who's they? And he just saying they gave us your name and this address. They being, have, has that, that they been, been uh, revealed as to who gave your name and address or your son's name and address? No. And the name that they gave was, was not my son's name. But I, I thought he, that was. Uh, now, now, the irony was. That your son is graduating from high school, right? Yes, that's right. And there's a big-ass sign in your front yard with his picture on it and his name on it. His name is in big, bold letters. So the name that they gave, did it match the name on the sign? Nowhere near. So No. no. I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I mean, if it's... I mean, were they, 
I don't want to cast any aspersions, but were they illiterate? Could they not read? I mean, did they not see that big sign? I mean, we have those signs around here as well, and they're pretty big. You can't miss them, you know? No, and it's big. It was big, big and yellow, so you couldn't miss it. I mean, you would have seen his name on it. But the, 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 thing that, the thing that always troubled me about this is that they said they gave him the name Josiah, right? Right. And so if you see the sign in the yard, how do you not make the connection when he, when your son says, I'm not Josiah? Right? He, he kept saying, my name is Damien. And, and they, I, they kept coming, even though he kept saying it. They, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, that, that, that right there just kind of floors me. Cause I think if, if you come to my door and say, Hey, I'm looking for Richard and I go, I'm Robert. Well, Richard's not here. And you keep saying, okay, let me come in. Richard ain't here. Why would I allow you to come in? I mean, that, that, that boggles my mind. Did, did they ever give you any kind of rationale for why they kept persisting after uh, your son said, hey, my name's Damien, and we don't know who you're talking about? I think initially when they – he was startled by the, the weapons. The and weapons? Whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you just said that they, they had weapons? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of weapons? Um, I, I can, can answer that. Can they, um, Monica, the, the, the deputy – the, the police officer was a um, jailer at, with a, this is a little bit confusing with New Hanover County. They were up in Fender County, so they are out of county. The jailer apparently, his own statement is he left his job while he was on duty and came to their house armed. He had his pistol and he was in his uniform. But jailers don't wear guns in the, in the, in the prison. They don't wear guns in the jail. So how did he come? No. He couldn't have came in his uniform. Who knows? Who knows how he showed up? But he had his uniform and a weapon with him. And Monica, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm right about this. Another individual had an assault weapon. Right. And another individual had a shotgun. So there were three armed people at their door. Right. Correct, Ronald? Okay. What? That's right. So... Did at any point when you heard the commotion? First of all, do, are you a licensed gun owner yourself? I'm in the process of getting it now. That's what's up. We're glad to hear you say that. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, because we have to get legal. Number one, we talk about that a lot on this show. But when what were when all the commotion died down, or how long did this take before the commotion died down? And what was the conversation afterwards? It, it took less than five minutes because what made them stop is like I said, initially when he opened the door, he saw the guns, he was startled. So when they gave the name and he was like, wait, my name is Damien, but he stuttered because he was startled. And because he stuttered, I guess they assumed he was lying. And so, oh, okay. like I said, when I got in there, he started pacing back and forth. I, he would not come near me because I told him, do, do not come near me. You stay to the back of the room. But he was just pacing back and forth. And then he started chanting, my name is Damian Shepard. I've graduated from Laney High School. There's a sign on my front lawn with my name on it. And he chanted that about three times. And that's when they stopped. Wow. And they said, oh, we're sorry. So they did apologize right then. Right. So how has this affected your son? Because I, just by what you just relayed, 
I can see, I can feel what that young brother's going through. How has it affected him? Well, at first he was confused and startled, uh, upset. He was very upset. But as the days progressed, we have so much support from our neighbors because our neighbors really came through for us even that night. Um, but we got so much support from the community, from our neighbors, from all around. I mean, that people are sending him cards and gift cards and they're making him cupcakes. And so he's really just, he's okay. I mean, that makes a difference though, that everyone is embracing him. That, that really make a difference. Uh, that's fantastic. So the attorney for the Kidder family over the weekend came out and said, oh, this was just a misunderstanding. You see, we can't be racist because we were looking for an interracial daughter. What are your thoughts on that? Have you seen that article? You want me to uh, respond, Jim, or you want? Well, um, I, uh, sure, Monica, you can respond, and then I'll weigh in on that also. Well, I did see the article, and, I mean, not one time I've ever come out and said, oh, you're this or you're that. My point is you cannot break the law and not have repercussions. You can't come to somebody's on anyone's property to their door, try to force your way into their home with guns and not think that you're you're not supposed to be charged or arrested for that. That's my thing. And and Mr. Lee, certainly the uh the attorney uh for them uh had some words for you. Would you like to respond? Uh his name is James Rutherford, by the way. Yeah, I would like to respond because he, um, because I came out and uh, described it as, as a essentially a lynching, and I'll stick to that. I'm not backing off of that at all. Um, I know it's unusual um, for me coming from a white guy, I guess, to be saying that, but I wasn't raised that way. That's not the way I was raised. I, I you know, and so. I described it, I think I called it exactly like it was, when a group of 15 white people arrive on the doorstep of a uh, black family, and by the way, this was in a predominantly white neighborhood, so they clearly were targeting someone black. Let's just go there right from the start. Um, when they got to that porch and they arrived on a porch with weapons, open the door, put their foot in the door so you can't close the door. There's a young black man there, and he he was the one that was first at the door. And then this mother comes out, and they don't leave. Um, that is just a, a act of racism. It just is. Um, and I don't care. I, I, I get that. I, I don't know. We have, we have investigators out right now on the site trying to get to really the bottom of this to understand why they were looking for a black man in the first place, a young black man, in the first place. Why was that their target? Uh, the key to family's excuse, I think, is that uh, th that's not an excuse for their behavior whatsoever. What they also did in that article is they so sort of threw under the bus the Pender County Sheriff's Department. If you noticed in the article, yes. they're acting like they had the authority from the Pender County Sheriff's Department 
to go out and do what they were doing, which is you can't do that in the United States of America. We, we can't take in our own hands uh, vigilante justice. That's not how we operate in this country, even though I see it happening all the time. We just we can't do that. So they are saying that the Pender County Sheriff's Department really authorized this in some way. And if that is true, that's what we're looking into. Um, that is a gross violation of the shepherd's rights by the Pender County Sheriff's Department. I guarantee you that they're going to deny that. They're going to deny that. And so the key to this family is going to point the finger at the Pender County Sheriff's Department. Pender County Sheriff's Department is going to point the finger at them. What's also remarkable about this, uh, guys, is when they finally left, one of the neighbors had called two deputies. They come out to the site. They drive out to the site. And who was following them back to the site? The same group. The same group returned to the scene of their crime. And so they're all there with the Pender County Sheriff's Department. No names are taken of the group. No arrests are made. They just had committed 26 different crimes at least. No names are taken. No crimes are charged. Nothing happens that night or the next day or the next day. It was not until Thursday after we saw the shepherds in our firm and we wrote a, a letter of demand to the district attorney to investigate all these people. We were lucky that we had the sheriff's name because he has had his name tag on his uniform. Mm. But if it were not for that, and we still today do not know who the other 13 people were, or it's about approximately 12 people, one still armed is. The only reason we know the two names is one, we know who the father was. We know that we have Jordan Keita because he had his uniform on, and neighbors were able to identify the guy that had the assault weapon because they saw him put it in his truck, and his truck identified who he was. But... We're having to go out right now and find out who these people were that were on the front porch of the Shepherds with our own investigators. That's ridiculous. That crime was committed on Sunday night at 1030. Sheriff's Department's out there. Their, their captain comes out there. He doesn't do anything. They take Monica and Damien's name and a couple of people around them, but that's it. Now, that is just, I mean, can you imagine if, let's reverse the roles. Let's try that for, let's try that out. White family, 15 black people come to their front porch with guns. What do you think would happen? They'd be dead. They'd be dead. They would be dead. Absolutely. There'd be a gunfight out in the streets with the sheriff's department and things like that. I mean, come on. I have three quick questions. This is what we're going to Three quick yeah. questions. First one, is there, is there more than one black family in the neighborhood? That's the first question. Second question: When they came back with the pol- when they came back with the police, was there any exchange between the police officers and between the between the lynch mob and the uh, police officers b- before or after the before or after they talked with the shepherds? And third, got a question a, a text question. Somebody texted in and said, "In Pope County, um, Pope County, Arkansas." Correction officers aren't allowed to wear uniforms outside of jail or off-duty and have no law enforcement authority. Is that the same law policy for the county where this guy works? I can answer number three, and the answer is yes. You are not allowed. Uh, that's exactly right. The same law is applicable here. He should not have been in uniform. 
she should not have had a gun on. Monica, you can answer the first two because you were there. Okay. So the first question you said, did they have any conversations when they came up, no, the, the deputy? The first one was, how many other black families live in your neighborhood? Oh. And that was the second one. Myself and one other black family. So it was two black families that live in my neighborhood. Did they go to the other house? No. Why'd they single you out? That's what we're trying to find out. What? Who gave them my address? And who said that, you know, Josiah lived here? That's crazy. You know what? Let us the second question. The second question: When they came up, did, did the lynch when the lynch mob came up with the police? Did they have conversations before or after they spoke with you all? They um, so the group came back after the deputies talked with us. So the deputies came in first. We told them what happened. Then the group came back. The whole mob was about three or four cars came back, and they were all just standing around talking to them. Intimidation, pretty much, right? Just, I mean, it was as if what what we what had just took place at my house didn't matter. The fact that, you know, they tried to come in my home and they terrorized my son and I, it was like we didn't matter. I am so so sorry to hear that what yeah. what happened because I, I'm sitting here just thinking about the 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 fifties and the sixties when this happened on a regular basis, of course. You know, Emmett Till really comes to mind on the situation. Right. But what's like even this. more disappointing is that who do who do black folks who can we call when we're in trouble? Hmm. We don't have anybody we can call when we're in trouble, especially especially when it's white folks that we're in trouble with. We don't have anybody we can call. Well, even if it's black folks, we don't have anybody we can call. But my point is, I mean, that must have been a really terrible, terrifying experience for you all. I, I just want—I'm not apologizing on behalf of anybody. Just saying to you, I give you 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 and your son my sympathies. And, and hopefully I'll keep you in my prayers and everything will be great. No doubt about that. So, 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 Mr. Lee, before we let you all go, where are we on charges against, I mean, forcible trespass, breaking and entering, uh, willful failure to discharge the duties? That's what was charged to Mr. Kidder. But has there been any other charges levied against anyone else? And have you gotten any comments from the police department there? Uh, well, number one, uh, no, there had been, uh, there's one other arrest, and that I believe that was the guy with the assault weapon, and he's, it's a misdemeanor. Uh, going to the terror of the people is, is the statute, is, or the crime they're citing. So that's all that's been charged that I know of. Uh, there are at least 13 other people out there that committed crimes, but that's it. Um, we are... We're looking at it, the reason we're representing the Shepherds, not only to bring light to the situation, we're looking at a civil lawsuit. There's uh, a violation of their civil rights when anybody in, anybody in a position of authority under 42 U.S.C., U.S. Code, this is complicated, but I'm not going to get too deep into it, 1983 is the, was enacted actually in 1871. It was the first act under that civil rights law in 1871 and it's called the Ku Klux Klan law it's been on the books all the way till 2020 yep and here we are in 2020 <laughs> invoking that federal statute to protect black people's rights we're still doing it we're still operating in a statute that was enacted in 1871 it's been refined over the years but that's what we're talking about here i mean it's just you just can't 
do this. So what we're looking at is the Center County Sheriff's Department, in fact, did sanction this or allow them or a part or say, yeah, you can go in with your weapons and go house to house to house. Then they're liable. New Hanover County may be liable. That's what we're looking at from a civil standpoint. We're, we, we just thank God nobody's dead. But just quickly, you said go house to house. Did they go to anyone else's house that no, you know of? they only went to one, she said. Ms. Shepard said only nah. one. So here's my concern, and, I, and I, I'm going to let you guys, and you, this is just my conjecture on this. I don't know whether I'm, what I'm about to say is true or not, but if you're looking for someone, you would tend to believe that you would go to multiple houses, number one. But this just sounds like a message. I hope I'm wrong. But if what you say about the Penda County Sheriff's Office, if that comes to fruition and they knew about this, are they trying to send a message? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't have a good answer for that right now uh, because we're so early in the uh, investigation from our standpoint. But who knows? All right, well, look. The only family in this Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mr. Lee, we couldn't I hear your last the comment. Family in this neighborhood we know. Okay. Right. So, I mean, if you're looking for a missing girl, you know, if you're going to go to people's houses, you go to more than one house. I, I, I would think you would, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But like she mm. said, they got a text message. So mm. somebody texted and said that's where, they, that's where they are. And the young lady was subsequently found. Uh, no harm was done to her, apparently. And But no, either way. She found that evening. She she was found that evening. So okay. you saying she was found before all this happened? No, she was still missing during the time this happened. At ten thirty, ten thirty Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. Do we know where she was? Did they say what where she was? Well, they posted on their website that she was found, but they didn't say where she was. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, look, we appreciate you guys taking some time out with us. We're going to keep an eye on this case because this is it's, when we read about it last week, it was just too many peculiarities. And it's still even in talking to you all. And, and Ms. Shepard, you know, as Robert said, our hearts go out to you. And I know that doesn't solve the problem. But I'm thinking about your young your young man and been there on that end of the barrel. I think most young black men have at some point or another in their lives. And what I'd like for you to tell him is that keep moving forward. Don't let anything stop him or turn him around from being the best young black male that he could ever be. And, and there are people behind him uh, near and far. If you could just relay that to him for us in Black Focus Radio and our listeners. We would yeah. we would greatly appreciate it. I would definitely do. I appreciate that. And, you, and you're always welcome to come back. Let us know. You all you always have a voice there. So let us know when you if you need to come back. Not only that, is there any uh, is there any GoFundMe's or anything that y'all want to y'all want to talk about right now? Share with us. I think there was some some people who because there's so many people that want to do things. I I think there's someone that may have set up some type of GoFundMe to help with uh. Legal scholarship for him. Oh, scholarship. Okay, good deal. Yep. 
So they're working on putting that out. Okay. Well, hey, when they get it up, will you come yeah. back? Will y'all call back in and let us know so we can uh, we can try to help out? Yes, I will. That'd be great. All right, fantastic. I'll let, you guys, I'll let you guys know one more thing. I actually have a scholarship um, fund that I established at a local college, and I'm going to offer Damien to go on my scholarship for next year. Oh, well, that's fantastic. That's hey, that's, that's great. great, Mr. Lee. Hey, look, we got to let you guys go again. Thanks for spending a little time with us and sharing with our listeners your story. Your story is our story. And we believe in you guys. Y'all keep up the great work. Ms. Attorney Jim Lee uh, and, of course, Miss Monica Shepard uh, from Wilmington, North Carolina, going, describing a, a, a harrowing event uh, that could have cost some lives. Unfortunately, it did not. So, again, thank you for joining Black Focus Radio. And we're, we'll keep an eye on this thing. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank peace, you. Peace and love. Thank you. All right. Man, that was crazy. That's crazy. It is, it's 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 <laughs> so many ways. You, you mean, can't explain it. It's no, it's man, it's that's, that's absolutely it's crazy. inexplicable, uh, to say the least. And uh, to to get um, a bird's eye view uh, is important because again, we think it can't happen here, but it can, and we forget about that. So, um. You know, I, I just hope that everything works out and somebody needs to go to jail. I'm just saying. And, and you know, this argument that you saw the picture of the family, right? I did. You know, just because you got interracial kids doesn't mean you can't be racist. And, you know, miss me with that mess. Well, from the way they said it, they're not their kids. They were adopted. They, that's what I'm saying. They were adopted. Right. So miss me with that mess. And you get a good check. But I want to I wanna read something because I think it's important that we hear it after hearing the shepherds. After hearing Miss Shepherd. Abraham Lincoln said, and I quote, I, I will say then as I am not, nor have ever been, in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. Going on to say that he opposed blacks having the right to vote, to serve on juries, to hold office, and to intermarry with whites. Come on, y'all, wake up. Get you a gun. Mm -hmm. These things still ring true today. Yep, sure does. That's from the Great Emancipator, the one that y'all like to call he freed man, the slaves. Abraham Lincoln. Hey, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I think we've got another guest coming on at uh, one. Uh, coming on at the, one. The, the, he moved him to one. Yeah, to one. Dr. Okay. Lassa Scott. Okay, I'm looking forward to to her because great book. Have you seen the? I haven't seen the book, man. Uh, you haven't seen the bio stuff. Well, we'll we'll no, talk no. to them at one. Uh, Jam packed today. If you, it, look. Uh, if you've got some comments about the Shepherds, uh, what went on in Wilmington, North Carolina, you can do that as well after the show. And don't forget, this is going to be on the podcast, so if you missed any of it, you can go out and download that podcast. And while you're out there, donate a couple of dollars to the Brothers Calls over here, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. All right? You know, we it takes a lot of work to put a good show together, and you see we working hard for y'all. All right? Doing what we do. Back in a moment. Peace. I talk to you for a moment? How many people have come up to you and said, hey, I didn't know you had a business? Yeah, that can happen when you don't advertise. I have a solution for you. Advertise on joinetradio.com and let the world know that you're in business. I know what you're thinking. Advertising is so expensive. I've got a great package for you that will cut your expense and increase your bottom line. 
It's only $125 for startup and new businesses. Call me, David W. Coleman, at 615-554-0568, and I'll put together a package specifically for your business. Now is the time to tell the world, hey, I'm in business. Come spend your money on quality goods in my store. Let us help you at joinedradio.com. Here's the number. Call me, 615-554-0568. We are here to assist you in building your brand. Serving the families of Clark County and the surrounding area since 1966, it's Mitchell Funeral Home. Understanding that a funeral is a celebration of life, the entire staff of Mitchell Funeral Home takes great pride in the caring, personal, and professional service they offer. Cremations, funeral plannings, burial policies, life insurance, notary, and monument sales are a few of the services we offer. Mitchell Funeral Home, Arkadelphia, 870-246-2611. Mitchell Funeral Home. Quality you can appreciate, service you can depend on. I'm going to give you a secret. One of the most important keys in the kingdom for living financially free is the principle of management. Having a credit crunch on uncertain financial futures? Boss up your credit score with Wealthlux Credit Solutions. $99 down, $99 per month. That's Wealthlux Credit Solutions. We can help you with bankruptcies, late payments, public records judgments, evictions, foreclosures, identity theft, and medical bills. Call now for a quick response. 501-352-1778. Go digital and get debt free. WealthLuxConcierge.com. Text credit at 501-352-1778. For every no, your credit will be the key to your yes. WealthLuxConcierge.com. Boss up your credit score with Wealthlux Credit Solutions. $99 down, $99 per month. For Wealthlux Credit Solutions. Listen. Did you miss Dr. Ernest Gill from UT San Antonio? When you're making $455 million off these student athletes, and all you can come up with is $5,000. John Calipari makes $8 million a year, and his players are going to get $5,000 a year. The majority of these teams were, were white men and white white males and females. Would this be happening? And I would say no, because their families wouldn't let it happen. But we're letting our kids get pimped. Join the weekly sports magazine every Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m. on joinedradio.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Boy, that's a heck of a way to open up a show. That was. That was amazing. That was good job, interview. Cliff. You have to good work, Cliff. And we've got a, we've got a new uh, guest booker. Yeah, he's doing a heck, heck of a job. I, I guess I could say a booking producer. He's a producer, man. He's you, know, a, you can't call him a booker. He's yeah, a no, he's a booking producer. That's the official name for him. All right, Cliff, okay. regardless, good job, baby. Keep and uh, Cliff set this interview up for us. Uh, and uh, the interviews, most of the interviews you hear uh, are set up by Cliff. So really appreciate on his part for doing that. Uh, that's a good lick right there, bro. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't know that there have been many other shows. I know we've seen them on national TV shows, but national radio shows don't know that they've been on. Uh, but uh, that's what we're trying to do for you here at Black Focus Radio. Uh, if you just missed it, Miss Monica Shepard and her attorney, Jim Lee, um, uh, who are involved in a civil litigation against 
the city of Wilmington, North Carolina, for uh, a lynch mob coming to their home uh, just uninvited. And here's why I said I'm, you know, and you know, I I know I was probably reaching, but the question that you asked, Robert, I think was important. Which one? About the number of black families in that neighborhood. I think that was really important. I mean, how okay. do you? Because if if you're I know in the text message they said they text them an address, mm-hmm. right? An address and a name. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the case, then you go to this one house, the kid says, hey, my name's Damien. Mm-hmm. Then you would automatically go to the other house of the other black family. Mm-hmm. That's what I would think. Mm-hmm. That's my thinking, right? right. That's mm-hmm. just my thinking. That's, that's lo- just thinking logically. Well, see, I'm thinking even more nefarious than that. And what I mean by that is I think that um, there is a distinct possibility that this was done out of. Um, that's why I'm so. That's why. I'm, uh, that's what What is the word? It was okay. So there's a term for video gamers called swatting. Are you familiar yeah, with that? Yeah, I heard about that. So yeah. if you all don't know what swatting is, quite often, and we've had people actually killed with this. And what happens is you're playing. Uh, a guy online, you beat them, and quite often what you all don't realize is that there's an underground gaming market that is going on online, and quite often guys lose thousands of dollars. So what they'll do, if you are not on a VPN, they can re- reverse injure your IP address. Your Every computer has an IP address, even your phone. It's a computer, isn't it? It has an IP address. A PlayStation or an Xbox is nothing much, nothing but a computer. So it also has an IP address. So they can reverse injure, engineer and track back to where your IP address is located on the web. They call the police. They usually say something like, there is a man in this house holding hostages. He has a gun. And the police show up full SWAT regalia, and if you're not careful, people are killed. That has happened. Right. I've, so, I've, heard, I've read about those. So I'm wondering if someone just arbitrarily gave this address to this mob because they're the one of two black families in the area to try and send a message. That's what I was getting at. Well, I'm not being critical of anybody when I say this, but this is the reason I strongly believe in segregation. We should be have our own neighborhoods. I don't want to live with anybody else who doesn't look like me, so we don't have these kind of problems. But at the end of the day, I, I totally understand what you're saying. But for me, I, I get I get really upset. I'm really fearful of black folks who live in these kind of communities. Because, unfortunately, there's not an overwhelming majority of black folks in these communities. There's only a few. Mm-hmm. And usually when things like this happen, who's going to come to your aid? Now, this is the question I have, right? She said her neighbors are being very supportive. Mm-hmm. At 1030 at night with 15 people on your doorstep with guns, nobody thought to call 911. See, that's mm-hmm. my problem. Mm-hmm. That's my problem. Because mm-hmm. if nobody called 911, essentially you saying to me, you're complicit. Mm-hmm. You did something. You did something. So you didn't. Nobody. Nobody called the police. Mm. 
I mean, if I see a mob of white folks and I know somebody black lives there and they walking up there with rifles and guns. And flashlights. And, fla- I've and seen, you know it had to be noisy. I've seen the flashlights. I've heard the car door slam. I've mm-hmm. heard all this go on. I look out my window. Mm-hmm. I see them walk up to the door. I do nothing. I don't call 911. Mm. I don't do it. That's what troubles me. Nobody ever called 911. I didn't ask her the question because I didn't want to because I didn't want to hear the answer. But I never asked her the question because in my mind I'm thinking, all this happened, not one of your good white neighbors called 911. Not one of them. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. Now, that's the thing that's scary. Yeah. And you said my neighbors are giving me a ton of support. Well, not really. They didn't give you support when uh, when they showed up on your doorstep Sunday night. Because I, it's, it's somebody saw the lights. Somebody heard the doors. Somebody was standing there window going, I wonder what they doing. And you know what's the you know, other weird thing about it? What's that? There's no video. No video at all. Nobody has any video. I'm sure. That, I'm sure there's a ton of ring doorbells all around that place, right? But not only ring doorbells, but cell phones. Something, something. You get that right? Yeah. But if I'm a, if I'm a part of the lynch mob, I'm not releasing the video, no. right? But somebody had a ring doorbell. Somebody but see, somewhere but, had but a see, ring doorbell. And here's the other thing that's that's troubling to me is that the police don't even know who was part of the mob. It was almost like they were cavorting with one another. From the, you know, I read an article that said that uh, they were talking about the McMichaels. I read this article. I don't know. I think I know what ago. you're going to say. Go ahead. They said that the police that the uh, police mm-hmm. officer tells this homeowner, hey, if you have yes, a problem, does. if you have a problem, don't call mm-hmm. us. Call McMichaels. Mm-hmm. He used to work for so-and-so. Call him. He'll handle it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Don't waste your time calling us. Essentially, they just deputize this guy. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So this guy can just do whatever he wants to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It seems as though... The police are also saying this to him, or they said that to them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's mind blowing. Again, I asked the question: Who do we call when we feel that we're being threatened by somebody white? Because unfortunately, if we call the police, more than likely we're going to end up we're going to end up in handcuffs. Not who, not not him, not whoever's doing the harassing. We're going to end up in handcuffs. But again, it just goes back to me saying. <sighs> While there are challenges in my neighborhood, I'd rather be in my neighborhood than somewhere else where I have to deal with that. So you brought up the McMichaels. There's more that has come out over the weekend with that as well. And we'll talk talk about it a little bit more after our guests next hour. But the McMichaels, so Robert, now I've been in the talk radio business for 35 years. Okay. And when you do this business, you really be time, become time conscious. Right. You really understand how long a minute is. It's to the point where I know I can talk for a minute and I know a minute because it kind of works in my head. Right, right, right. I got you. Two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. That's a long time to talk. Now, you may not think it is, but it really is. So when you go down to the city board, how much time do they have you? Give you three minutes? Um. I think they gave you three or two, one of them. Okay. Yeah. And then honestly, that is standing standing before the city board for whatever reason, that three minutes seems like forever. Exactly. It, it, it seems, seems like forever. It seems like a long time. A really long time. So the reason I'm bringing this up, and if you all want to do this little exercise, take the timer on your phone. If you've got a phone, I know you do, and I know you've got a timer on it. Hit and... And hit it and let it run for four minutes. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. 
Because over the weekend, apparently, Mr. Arbery was being chased for at least four minutes. So I want you all to listen to, this is from the Jacksonville uh, uh, Action News Jacks. Just listen to this. 25-year-old man from Brunswick, Georgia, shot while going out for a jog. Action News Jax first broke this news at 7 this morning that attorneys for Arbery's family confirmed that Arbery was chased for more than four minutes by Williams Roddy Bryan. He's the man who recorded the video of the shooting. The McMichaels were also chasing him as well before Arbery was shot and killed by Travis. Action News Jax, Don Lopez joins us live from the newsroom and Don Bryan spoke exclusively with Action News Jax last week trying to clear his name, but new details are just coming out. Now we're hearing he and a police officer in Glynn County may be involved. And the new details, we got them over the course of just the last hour. Action News Jax has confirmed that Ahmaud Aubrey was chased, as you said, for more than four minutes by the man who recorded that confrontation and shooting of Aubrey, William Roddy Bryan. The McMichaels, Greg and Travis, father and son, were seen on that video too that's been shown now across the nation on national television. He was chased by them as well and they blocked his path. Bryan told Action News Jax in an exclusive interview last week that he wasn't involved at all. I truthfully need to be cleared of this because I had nothing to do with it. Um, I'm trying to get my life back to normal, and it's been smeared for the last week. And also, in just the last hour, the attorneys for Aubrey's family tweeted a picture of this deputy. This is Robert Rash. They say that he is the officer who reportedly told the owner of the home that Aubrey is seen inside of on surveillance video, just looking around to contact the McMichaels if their movement inside that house. And it's just a frame of a house. Our sister station in Atlanta obtained text messages from Glen County police officer sent to Larry English, the owner of the home that's under construction. And the message from a man named Officer Rash mentions Greg McMichael, the suspect. And in it, it says, in part, quote, Greg is retired law enforcement and also a retired investigator from the DA's office. And, quote, please call him day or night when you get action on your camera. English's lawyer says the text was sent out on December 20th, but her client didn't see it. Now, Action News Jax expects a statement from Aubrey's family attorney this afternoon, and we will bring that to you, the very latest on Action News Jax at noon and actionnewsjax.com, Phil. All right, so... Did you do the four minutes? Is it still running? That's a long time. So if what they're saying is true, think about it. People are running close to a mile in four minutes. Think about that. Now, if young Ombrary was running for his life, and Roddy Bryan apparently... The more you talk, the more you smell. Because you were involved in this regardless of what you try to put out there, bro. That's pretty clear now. You all chased this boy for four minutes. Now, at what point, and the question came up last week to Mr. Bryant, at what point in that chase do you say, hey, there's a young man having a problem, and you call 911. Apparently, you never do that for whatever reasons.
You never do that. More importantly, more video came out over the weekend of multiple people going to this housing site. Now, let's be clear. This was not a house. This was construction. A house was being built. They show video of a couple uh, going to the site. They show video of other teenagers going to the site. There is multiple videos of multiple people going to the site. The only difference in them and Ahmaud Arbery is Ahmaud Arbery was black. He was black. We don't want that in our in our neighborhood. Let's get him, boss. See, if you don't understand history, if you are ignorant of your history, then you won't understand what happened to Ahmad Arbery nor will you understand what happened to the shepherds. You see, we interviewed Emmett Till's uncle on this show. He described to us what it was like being in that house when those Ku Klux Klansmen came in that house and took Emmett Till. We've given you black fact after black fact of black people who were released by police or somehow or another driven out of town by police who have come up dead, who were lynched. So if you're ignorant of history, then you will not understand the dilemma, the pain of our people. This is more than just about a young black man jogging down the street. This is more than just a lynch mob showing at a young black man's house. This is more than just a white police officer shooting a black kid because he's a black kid. This is historic. This is reminiscence of the past and we are sitting around twiddling our thumbs as idiots thinking that somehow or another we can pray this away somehow or another that if we don't even if we don't talk about it it'll just go away somehow or another that if we just simply tell our kids what to do to keep from being killed then it'll go away. I posted a story over the weekend of a professor who, back in 2018, who was on the way to lunch and got the old, you look like the suspect. He was a professor at the local college, but he looked like the suspect. So my point in this rant here is that at some point, 
We as black people have got to learn from history. That old saying, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Well, guess what's happening? We are repeating our history. Because what y'all don't understand is that many of those people that were released from jail back in the 50s and 60s who later ended up hung or shot and mutilated and castrated, many of the people who led those charges were the police. Yeah. And here we have in the Shepherd case, police shows up and says, no harm, no foul. In the McMichael case, the police say, oh, just call George over there, man. He'll take care of it. He has our blessing. Just so happens that Nobody bothered him going to that site except the black guy. At what point do you get tired? I was glad to hear Miss Shepard say when I asked her, do you own a gun? She said, I'm working on it. I'm in the process. Yeah. I I think it's important that I just I just want to read something to people because I think it's important that we understand because you, you can't win. You cannot beat a system if you don't know how the system works. Mm-hmm. Right. So, thus is why I carry the Constitution. So let's have this. Let, let me read this to you. Just thus is why I tell people to vote. Yeah. Okay. Let me read this to you briefly. Abraham Lincoln did believe that slavery was morally wrong, but that was one big problem. It was sanctioned by the highest law in the land, the Constitution, the nation's founding fathers who also struggled with how to address slavery, did not explicitly write the word slavery in the Constitution, but they did include key key clauses protecting the institution, including a fugitive slave clause and the three-fifths clause, which allowed southern states to count slaves for the uh, portions of representation in the federal government. Called the three-fifths compromise. In a three-hour speech in Peoria, Illinois, in the fall of 1854, Lincoln presented more clearly than ever his moral, legal, and economic opposition to slavery. Hear that again, y'all. His moral, legal, and economic opposition to slavery. And then admitted he didn't know exactly what should be done about it within the current political system. Abolitionists, by contrast, knew exactly what should be done about it. Slavery should be immediately abolished and free slaves should be incorporated as equal members of of society. They didn't care about working within the existing political system or under the Constitution, which they saw as unjustly protecting slavery and slave owners. Leading abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison called called the Constitution a covenant with death and an agreement with hell, and went so far as to burn a copy at a Massachusetts rally in 1854. Though Lincoln saw himself as working alongside the abolitionists on behalf of a common anti-slavery clause, he did not count himself amongst them. Only with emancipation and with his support of the eventual 13th Amendment would Lincoln finally win over the most committed abolitionists. Now, it's important that we understand how the system sees us. The, fe- the Constitution itself doesn't even see us as people. 
Well, so if they don't see us as people, how do we matriculate through this game? How do mm. we? This is a game, y'all. This is a mm. game. This is no different than Monopoly, mm. Connect Four, Sorry, mm -hmm. Uno. It's a game. Spades, Dominoes. It's a game. So you got to know the rules. You got to know the rules. Mm -hmm. So if you are not counted as a human, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You don't. You're not. <laughs> you're not. They say you three fifths, but are you? It explains everything to me. It, it everything makes more sense. So again, the question becomes: We gotta learn the rules, y'all. We can't keep playing these games. We don't know the rules. That's why on the on the top of my book list, what is listed? It is the only one that's there for a reason, and it is the Constitution of the United States. You cannot live in a country and not understand the rules by which you are governed. You a piece of paper says that if you are in America. You are still three-fifths. It says that right now, regardless of any legislation they pass. The, the founding document of this country says, Negroes, y'all three-fifths of a human. The founding document, that's the founding document. Everything else is irrelevant. The founding document says you are three-fifths. All right, we got to take a break. Wow. Heck of a first hour. Want to thank the shepherds for coming on with us, and we'll keep you up to date on what's going on in Wilmington, North Carolina. Come on, coming up next, we've got Mister Neil Laskers uh, coming up to talk a little bit about Lasker Scott. Lasker Scott to talk about her new book. We're looking forward to that. Man, I gotta, as we well. got to read these books before we bring them on. Cliff yeah. got to Cliff got to give us some more give us some more time. Cliff, when you're bringing on these great people with these great books, you got to give us time to read the book. All right, so. Let's take the break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. Every day. On joinedradio.com. Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glenn Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American Wings? wings don't fret call us up and we'll deliver your favorite flavors right to your front door that's why we are called great american wings because we aim to please don't miss out on the best wings in the city it's great american wings located at 3230 Colonel glenn road right here in little rock open daily from 10 a.m to 9 p.m great american wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds you've tried the rest now try the best it's great american wings did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at CocoBellChocolates.com. 
Hello, my name is David Ashley, and I am the host for Real Talk Real Money. We do this every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. We hope that you'll join us. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your children, how they can get free money for their education. I want to talk to you about you, how you can start over in your financial health. We want to talk it out. Let's try to figure it out. Real Talk Real Money. Real Talk Real Money every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Join that radio. Be there. Join us. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinedradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. You got it. England and Israel Rock's answer to your aggravation. The Joy Network. The views and opinions expressed today on Black Focus Radio are not the views and opinions of the station, its management, or its advertisers. Now, let's get ready to focus on our issues, our solutions, using our voices on Black Focus Radio. Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions, using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, welcome back to the second hour of the show. It's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. Uh, 855-525-5683 is the number. When the lines are open, you can call us up. You can also catch us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you miss any part of the show, like that great interview uh, that we had in the first hour with Miss Monica Shepard and her attorney, Jim Lee, about the lynch mob that tried to raid their house in Wilmington, North Carolina, you can download the podcast. Just search for Black Focus Radio. And right off the bat, I want to say, I'm about to buy Cliff some potato chips. You know, that was a great interview. Yeah, we got a box. He's, he's pulling some. You know, he's doing. He's doing, a, he's he, doing he, a, he pulling it out the yin yang. He's doing a great job. You know, so we we got to get together and buy him a bag of Lay's potato chips. Or something. You know what I'm saying? He he probably enjoy that. You know, maybe drink. Give him a glass of Kool Aid, some red Kool Aid. You know what I'm saying? Growing up, I don't know if Cliff grew up with red Kool Aid. You know, that was an old school hood thing back in the day. You had to have that red Kool Aid. So, uh, coming to the mic or our guest this hour uh, is Doctor. To Neil Lasker Scott. And we're going to talk to her about a number of things and a great book that she reviewed as well. Uh, and the book talks a lot about, um, it deals with uh, teaching race and how to help students unmask and challenge racism. And just to give you just a, a quick blurb from it, race and racism are as embedded in the American classroom as the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, by the way, when my kids were in school, I told them they didn't have to stay to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Teacher called me, and I said, yeah, and? 
That was the end of that conversation. Uh, in teaching race, how to help students unmask and challenge racism, Brookfield and a group of authors tackle the difficult but necessary conversation of approaching the topic of race and racism in classrooms, each of which is built on the precept of white supremacy. Now, Robert, you know I use that phraseology often on this show because everything in this country is built on that precept. So coming to the phones right now, let's talk to Miss Tennille Lasker-Scott. We call her Dr. T. Hey, Doc, welcome to Black Focus Radio. Hello. How you doing, good people? Uh, we are so excited to have you today. Uh, and by the way, you are now an official friend of the show. So if we need... If we need to, you know, bounce some stuff off of you, uh, I hope it'll be okay to hit you up. Uh, that's fine. Anytime. Fantastic. So let's quickly tell us a little bit. By the way, are you originally from the Conway area? Uh, yes, I am a Conway native. Uh, so I you're, went to Conway High School. My so you're probably kin to some Laskers here in Little Rock. Yes. I actually am. That's a lot of my extended family, yes, sir. Tina and Gina Lasker? I, I know the last name. I mean, I know the first name, Gina. I don't know Tina, but um, actually they are uh, my grandfather's brother's children. And so um, we I didn't get to see them often, but I know a lot of them. Wow. So we kind of know each other. We all went to high school together. So that's, that's okay. yeah. So we know, uh, I know, I know the whole family as a matter of fact. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Dr. Lasker Scott and uh, how you got into reviewing this, what sounds like a fantastic book. Um, okay. So I grew up in Conway, Arkansas, part of the large uh, Lasker clan. Um, and uh, I attended Conway High, started off at UCA, uh, ended my bachelor's and master's degrees at, actually at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and, uh, and I attended um, the University of Georgia for my PhD and decided to move back home uh, from Georgia. I moved back here, and, uh, and I'm a professor at a local state university. And how I got into, like, doing the uh, the book review, I review a lot of uh, books, but I write articles on the subject of low-income, first-generation, um, black adults, and, uh, and black adolescents. And I really look at race and sexism inside of the classroom. Uh, it just hit me, by the way. I I think I went to college and played football with one of your relatives too, Andre Lasker. That is my that is my cousin. That's your cousin. <laughs> so see, we know each other. So yeah, really, you, you want to have a family reunion? You want to do an interview? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just hit, it just hit me. Jesus Christ! I, I remember him being from Conway, and we men back in the day, men Dre down at SAU were we were dogs. Okay. Anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We did, we did, we did. Yeah, so, yeah. Dr. Dr. T, don't entertain this. So, we will be talking about SAU and football help it. all day. All right, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, this book. Uh, okay. And let's talk about some of your, what, what you've been discussing as it relates to some of the things and the racism that goes on in classroom. Now, do you mainly deal with what goes on in on the college level? 
uh, or does it extend all the way down to grade school? Because uh, I don't know if you read Dr. Kanjufu's book, the, the, Conspir- the Conspiracy to Destroy Black Boys, that was released way back in 1984. Uh, it, yes. it, it sounds like this is on the same vein. Well, I'm going to be honest. I, I do not uh, really, I mean, I read books on the subject and I, I read articles and research um, on racism within the classroom from K to 12, but it's not my specialty. It's not what I uh, really look at, but I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can research race in higher education classrooms without giving a nod or acknowledging the uh, previous work done in talking about race uh, and, and, and talking about race specifically for black boys and and black men um, from a K through 12 level, they all, it, what we talk about is all built uh, on what they have already studied. So the, the Pledge of Allegiance is interesting simply mm-hmm. because, uh, I, 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 I don't know if you heard my little monologue where I told my kids they didn't have to stand for the Pledge of, the Leg- of Allegiance nor recite it. I don't do it today. But when you, mm-hmm. re- when you really look into that pledge, that is the beginning of that racism in the classroom. You know, I, um, I okay, so I'm going to say this. I, I wish, I wish <laughs> that we could just, um, I wish that we could wash it all down, the racism being, you know, the flag and the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I wish that we could could break it down to just that. Um, the the Pledge of Allegiance is, as you say it is, because racism existed before that. It is just an effect of it. Um, it is like a creative force that came through someone else's racist eyes. You understand what, you know what I'm saying? So um, yeah. you don't have racist books racist songs, racist monologues, racist, you know, television. You don't have any of that if the country, the the system, the institutions, the very, uh, just the very foundation wasn't already built on racism. If it wasn't already racist, none of these things would ever exist anyway. Excellent. So it just... Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. So it's just, um, it's just a an effect of the system. Is I mean, the whole system is basically racist. The whole system is is rigged. It's a certain you know aspect of it. Um, so I just look at those as just creative effects of the racism that was already that was already in place. You know, it's, it's you know as you were talking. I was thinking about, I don't know if you've read the article by uh, the author of, um, uh, the let's see, Leonard Pence Jr., Tampa Bay Times. Are you familiar with him? Um, a little bit, but not, but not totally. I don't, I don't want to act like I'm a scholar on that. I okay. So Leonard Pence Jr., over the weekend, I'm a big fan of Leonard. He's been on the show a number of times. He wrote mm-hmm. an, uh, an op-ed in the Tampa Bay Times, and it's entitled McConnell, just go ahead and call Obama the N-word. And he's referring to uh, McConnell, Mitch McConnell last week telling, you know, Barack Obama, 
to keep his mouth shut, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I bristled when I heard that come from Mitch McConnell, understanding Mitch McConnell's background and knowing that both of his grandfathers owned slaves. And part of the reason that they are wealthy today is because of that free labor. And as you were speaking, I, I, I don't know why that article came to my mind, but that speaks to that inbred white supremacy because even Lena Pitts Jr. understood that Mitch McConnell was telling Barack Obama, N-word, shut your so-and-so mouth, or we're going to shut it for you. That's what I got of that. Am I stretching, or does, or does that make sense? I, I, effectively, I think Mitch McConnell was telling him, stay in your place. Exactly. I mean, that, that's exactly. I mean, and uh, I think, I mean, look, I, I think that's something that we hear from the White House on, on an everyday occasion, you know, um, whether it be from representative senators or the actual you know, leader of our country. Um, I think that there has been a uh, underlining that I don't want to say underlining because underlining would would mean that it's in somehow it's not out front. No, uh, I think that there is a overt message of stay in your place and shut up while we're in office. Um, and so that didn't surprise me hearing uh, Mitch McConnell say that. I'm surprised that he could actually say Obama's name without saying something, you know. Uh, let's, at this juncture, the fact that he didn't call Obama a boy is surprising to me. Well, I, I would agree with you. So we know what the problem is. We as the black mm-hmm. community, we many scholars have talked about it. We've all read about it. Why is it that we can't get get past this? And I'm And I'm not saying we as in white people. I'm saying we as in black people, and what are some of the steps that you can suggest, if any, to help us move forward and deal with this white supremacy? Okay, so one of the things that the book tackles uh, about teaching race, um, and, and it's primarily white teachers teaching race, and one of the things that it says in the book is that Pretty much, if you're a white teacher teaching race, you're going to have to come to uh, to the you have to come to acknowledge the fact that white supremacy, white privilege, are things that are embedded in our culture. Like, don't start with this whole well, it's not always, and I'm not like no. Let's just call it what it is. It is what it is, and let's work around that. Now, one thing I say is that. Um, and I actually posted this on Facebook not too long ago. And I I said, um, white folks, it was my public service announcement. I often do them to a lot of different ethnicities. And I said, white folks, if y'all were uh, as upset about the racist acts as y'all are about us talking about them, racism wouldn't exist. So... Ooh. When you get tired of being, and, and, and that's the point, they're never going to get tired uh, of hearing it, not, not all of them, but I'm saying there are things that we need to get back to as a black community. Um, I heard you talking about, you know, 
when you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. I, I had a very lively conversation with my uh, son and nephews this weekend about why I try my best to buy black. And well, I thought you were about to say something. Go ahead. Um, but why I try my best to buy black. And historically, it, it almost hurt me that we had to go so far back for them to even understand, like, why would you not choose to purchase something or to, you know, patron uh, a an establishment that is built by your people? Like, I, it, it, it's almost like, you know, there's definitely a gap between, say, my father's generation, you know, rest his soul, he would be 71 years old, but my, my dad raised me with, if you can, buy black, you know, uh, learn your own history, because I went to Conway High, and I'm going to be honest with you, it was not a beacon of African-American history. Uh, I was very fortunate to have some black teachers there who taught us in spite of the curriculum about black facts, but I do know that that's not everyone's classroom, and for Forget the classroom. It's not everyone's living room. Um, I didn't learn all of my black history from the classroom. You know, I, of course I did. So my mom and my father, you know, took the time with their kids to buy us stuff for us to read, for us to see. You know, they made certain that we watched black movies um, on, on top of all movies. But I think that that's one of the gaps that's missing. We constantly talk about white supremacy, and this is a part of white supremacy. We are to the point where we don't even, as a, as adults, as adults, parents, we don't know our history to even to even drop knowledge to our kids. Like we are a or an, an oral people, we talk about um, our history and. That's not happening in our own homes. So, you know, for, to think that it's going to happen in a classroom is almost crazy. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I I didn't literally beat it into my children. But it's not only that you got to talk about it, you got to live it as well. And I think if your children see you buying black, going to black stores, supporting black issues, uh, you know, then I, I think that helps also. Can you talk a little bit about your efforts to uh, address the issues uh, as it relates to racism with uh, black males? You mentioned something about that. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so I I work alongside um, or work on a committee with uh, Harville Howard, who uh, does the African-American Male Initiative uh, and in this, it's uh, like a one-day event, but just recently we had uh, an event, and we had it at Philander one year, and then just last year we had it at um, Jonesboro, Arkansas State University at Jonesboro. And we had several different speakers come in and talk to the black men about success and and success just being something that you almost expect, not something that you just hope happens, to, but just manifesting that in yourself and talking about other black successful men and being mentors to one another even before you become successful and how 
black men as a, a whole need to come together and how we as black educators and black women can uh, can help black men help facilitate and not just that but just help empower them by just support and I uh, even at the University of, of Georgia uh, you know having several black male friends and watching them matriculate through the same spaces that I was matriculating through and how different it was for them and acknowledging that it was different from them. I think we oftentimes get into this uh, oppression Olympics where, you know, black women and black men are pitted against each other to talk about who has it worse rather than talking about how we can help each other be the first. And um, so when it comes to black men and the classroom, uh, we talk so much about how so much value is placed on their on their body, uh, what they can do on the field, you know, uh, what they can do for us here and there, but not so much as what they can add to the classroom, what knowledge they have, what, you know, gifts they have outside of these athletic gifts. Um, that benefit the worldwide. Hey, Doc, Dr. T, Robert Webb here. Yeah. Hey. hey, so you were telling us, so I've been sitting here trying to trying to frame this question the correct way, so okay. here I go. T- explain to me how black males are treated differently, graded differently at the collegiate level versus versus uh, the high school level, if that makes sense. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Okay. So, and this, and this, it can be seen. It's seen several different ways. Okay. Um, in some ways, let's let's just be honest. In some ways, black male bodies are seen as capital. Right. Right. Um, and so, in those instances, at times you see them. Um, they do may see receive some benefit, but the benefit, it doesn't actually help them later on down the road. Um, They are just seen as almost as commodities. And uh, when you get into the classroom, black males aren't often called on for their uh, experience or their, you know, to provide you with a narrative. They are often mocked in classroom or used as examples of what not to do or what not to say. when it comes to grading, when I think about, look, I have a 19-year-old freshman or a soon-to-be 19-year-old freshman, so I have an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old. Um, and I, as much as I try to prepare them for the fact that, listen, I know this sounds really jacked up, and you, you don't want to, I, I know mom is a professor too, but I'm going to tell you that even by you being there and being smart, it's almost a um, it's almost a threat. You know, you being in the classroom and being smart is like a threat to white supremacy. And you have some professors who fully want to engage in conversation with you. But then, let's be, I, I, I hate to say this. I hate when people say, you can't say that all white professors are racist. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I will say that you're crazy if you think that there's not a plethora of them. 
there are many. And they, yes, they they look at black males and they treat them differently and they um, don't want to hear their creative narratives. And, yes, they grade them differently. I mean, and, and I'm saying this, teachers do have bias. I hate when teachers say that they don't have any bias. I just check mine. That's the difference. So um, you actually have bias. Say what? You actually have your own bias that you deal with. I, yes, I, and I think it's idiotic to say you don't. I, I mean, or I just think you're a liar, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I, and, and I call teachers out on it all the time. If you don't believe you have a bias, that means you're probably, you're, not to other thing, you're continually mistreating students because you don't even check your own bias. I have two black sons. One played football, one played basketball. When I get a, a, a guy in my classroom or one of the football players or basketball, they, any of the athletes say, you know, Dr. T, I'm having a hard time. You know, uh, can you just help me out a little bit more if you don't mind? Because I see my son when I see that. Now, does it make me, does I, do I turn down my white students? No, I don't. I don't. But I, it's, it's almost like I know where this child is, and I think child, young man. I know what this young man is coming from. I have a, at least a little bit of a historical perspective of what he's had to go through to make it thus far. And being a mother and being fortunate to be a mother of two black sons, who, and I have a Ph.D., I, I understand that there are things that I was fortunate to learn that if I don't teach these, this black man while he's in front of me, he may not have an opportunity to get it again from another educational source. So, yes, we all have bias. Um, it's just, is your bias going to make you mistreat others? That's what we need to be talking about. I like that. I like that. Okay. So when we start when we when we have these conversations around education, I'm always amazed mm-hmm. at at how black black boys, athletic or not, when they go to college, they're not completely prepared to take on um you know, take on the college curriculum. And I know they I know they were saying I'm trying to remember now it was a it was a number and I can't remember it for the life of me but I want to say a majority of the kids who um went to Arkansas state universities I can't remember the number now but a majority of them had to take remedial classes before they could even get into their core subjects Yes yes so what, what you read is correct um so I mean, uh, so let me ask you the, the question I want to ask you about that. What is that actually based on? Is that based on the SAT, the ACT? Is that based on the test that they take? Is that is that based on some test you give them once they get to school? I mean, how do how do people realize or how do you gauge what their level of uh, their level of learning is? I guess at that level. Yes, um, it is. It's through ACT. It's through SAT. Um, it is through, and, and we don't even want to talk about how racist those are. We all know. But if, but if that's <laughs> that the, the but if that's the case, testing is is very. It, not only is it is it racist, um, 
but it is very, very classy. Uh, there are a lot of questions. I remember being a young black girl from Conway taking the ACT, and I remember them talking about um, a train, a train ride, and I could not focus really on the question because I was just like, a, tra- a train, where, what, huh? Because that wasn't my life. Like, to right. even think about taking a cross-country trip <laughs> on a train was just so unfathomable to me. And I'm like, I, it's hard to understand the question. So, okay, leading from that, going, talking about um, remediation. So, yes, oftentimes you will see um, some of our, not just black men, but our black students uh, or our students of color, period, they will do, they won't do so well on standardized testing, but they have higher GPAs. And and at first I used to just not, I used to be like, what in the world? Like, are they just bad test takers? Are they, what's going on? And it's not that. It's just, I mean, it's just that the standardized testing doesn't even, it culturally it is not something that they can relate to at all in any way, shape, or form. And you do have some responsive teaching. Uh, I will definitely give respect to a lot of the teachers in the Little Rock School District. Uh, I have friends and family in that district, but I know them to be people who culturize their lessons so that their black students and their Hispanic students can get it. They give it to you in a different way, uh, using terminology from our neighborhoods and our history to make you understand. And it's and it the same. You're going to get the same answer. But they give it to you in a way that you understand. I, My dad used to tell me all the time, say, if, uh, if, you're telling, if, you, if you tell somebody this is an apple, and that's all they've heard their whole life is this is an apple, this is an apple, and then you up and tell them, oh, no, it's an orange. They're going to be totally confused, right? And Or what if they don't even know what an orange is? So his thing was you always meet people where they are. And we are starting to get more culturized um, teaching in high school, which is making it better for uh, college. But then some of these, some of these black men, come to college, and um, so I'll give you an example. I, I don't mind saying this. I work for Arkansas State University. We do not have a large minority base. Some of our black male students uh, who had high GPAs, uh, and I'm talking about 3.5 or above, made, say, 15, 16 on the ACT. So they come to school, and they're going to have to take remediation, in math and science. And in some cases, you have to take one or two remediation <laughs> courses before you can even get to the courses where you gain credit. So let's think about this. Most oftentimes, these are going to be low-income students. So they're, not only are they paying for these classes, but they're paying for these classes and it's not even going toward their, their graduation. Um, studies also show that if you are in remedial classes, you are far less likely to actually graduate, no matter the circumstances, no matter how much money you make, um, no matter what type of, uh, uh, you know, education your parents have. If you start taking remedial, if you're in remedial classes in college, you are far less likely to graduate. 
one of the things that we did, we had a trio program called the Early Arrival Program. Uh, we had 43 students this last semester, well, this last summer. And out of those 43, 23 were black males and 20 were black, uh, black women, young black women. One of the things we did was we actually talked to our black male students, our black female students, and just talked to them about how to take these tests, like just just dealing with them literally on the basis of the anxiety and them not understanding how to even approach the questions. Do you know that out of those 43 students, 20 of our students needed remediation after a week? of our courses or our facilitation, uh, we were able, 13 of those students were able to test out of remediation courses, period. And that's just because they had black professors and staff members who took the time to talk to them and kind of educate them, and that was after one week. Can you imagine what we could do if we had these black males, uh, especially, that we were able to have them for a month, how far ahead they would be if we could talk to them and, and get them even before they even get to college. Um, so it was, a, it was a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing. But Do no, Dr. We, T, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it, it, it brings to mind, uh, you know, I had a daughter who graduated from Tennessee State, and my mm -hmm. son graduated from Middle Tennessee State, and although our household is Kwanzaa down, Black History, yada yada yada, my son says that he wish he would have went to Tennessee State. And when you hear most young Black male and female graduates of HBCUs, mm -hmm. they 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 talk about how the professors work with them and and do those things. Isn't your argument that maybe we ought to be sending our children to HBCUs? I have no problem sending uh, black students to HBCUs. I encourage black students to attend HBCUs, even if even if I did. Uh, I actually have a sister who graduated from an HBCU, and um, I think that we should encourage that. Uh, PWIs aren't for everyone, and I know I know this is gonna you're probably gonna disagree with this. HBCUs don't fit everyone. Um, mainly, it's because it depends on the concentration of what somebody wants to study. But uh, I think HBCUs are beautiful. I mean, I, I think it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful concept. I I, I say this. I don't know if. Um, I hate how many black students don't even consider HBCUs when they are looking at school. And I think we need to change that narrative. Well, Dr. T, uh, our time has run out. And obviously, <laughs> see, we could talk to you for all day. You know, you, you, the, <laughs> you the type. We can, we can have some serious conversation, some deep stuff. You know, so we're going to have to get you back on. But again, Dr. Uh, uh, Tennille Lasker Scott, come to find yeah. out that in a roundabout oh way, God, we, we know each other. We, I know her kid <sighs> you know. So uh, we, we really appreciate you coming on. And you keep up the great work. And by the way, when is your book coming out? You know, we, we, we're talking about it. I, I'm 
in in talks with some colleagues right now, just talking about a uh, Southern Black excellence. So we uh we're, we're looking into some things. Well, soon as it soon as it uh you 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 put pen to paper, hey, let's let's get it on the show and talk about it and see where you're going with it. We're looking forward to that. So look, we'll be getting in touch with you again, and really appreciate your insight. And we are smarter today for your visit with us, and we, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me uh, attend just join in with you. And All right. Keep, I'm going to keep on listening. Fantastic. Right. We're, we're going to get you back on, trust yes, me. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Peace, yeah, sister. Have a great one. You, you too. too. Don't you just love smart black women? Yes. I just love me some smart black women. Some good stuff. <laughs> what? Somebody said, I just love when folks praise an, SB, an, an HBCU but made the choice not to attend one. <laughs> well, I did make the choice folks, because. Feelings about these schools. I wasn't. Shout out to Texas Southern University. What's up, hey, y'all? I didn't get a scholarship from an HBCU. And my mama was poor. Notice I, we were so poor that I can't even put the OR on it. So I took the money where people were paying me. That's the bottom line on that. And unfortunately, a lot of black kids do the same thing. Okay? But I would love to see more and more people start going to HBCUs. You know? At least I sent my child on one. Anyway, trying to drop shade on me. I ain't playing. All right, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. We'll rehash what we've talked about today, and we've got some other stuff we'll get into as well. Uh, did you know if you've got a black 501c3, if your head is black, you're, the odds of you getting money is slim to none? That inbred racism that we just talked about, that white supremacy, it's all over the place. That's why we got to build and create our own. That's the only way you're going to beat it because it's not going away. And I was glad that she said that it's on, the onus of, on white people. Because I, what have I been saying, Robert? If we're going to fix racism, white people got to fix it. They're the ones that created it back in a moment. Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American Wings? wings don't fret call us up and we'll deliver your favorite flavors right to your front door that's why we're called great american wings because we aim to please don't miss out on the best wings in the city it's great american wings located at 3230 Colonel glenn road right here in little rock open daily from 10 a.m to 9 p.m great american wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds you've tried the rest now try the best it's great american wings did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at 
CocoBellChocolates.com. Hello, my name is David Ashley, and I am the host for Real Talk Real Money. We do this every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. We hope that you'll join us. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your children, how they can get free money for their education. I want to talk to you about you, how you can start over in your financial health. We want to talk it out. Let's try to figure it out. Real Talk Real Money. Real Talk Real Money every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Join that radio. Be there. Join us. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinedradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. All right, welcome back to the show. David W. Coleman along with Robert Webb in the house. I want to thank Dr. Tennille Lasker-Scott for dropping some knowledge on us, as well as the uh, family from Wilmington, North Carolina, of Miss Monica Shepard and her attorney, Jim Lee, to give us some information on the uh, lynching party that took place last week. Appreciate that. Want to give you some updates. We are expecting to have Brother Charles Stewart on the show tomorrow. I'll give you some information about that. There are some issues or some things going on down at the uh, uh, Arkansas Black Hall of Fame. So we'll get an update on that. And then on Friday. They didn't call Bill Clinton? They didn't call a member Bill Clinton? Stop. Okay. I'm just asking the question. Okay. I just asked. We've the had question. a great show. I'm asking the question. And here you go with your little, your little sly remark. That wasn't sly. I was just mm. curious. Like, I mean, I thought they would have called Bill okay. Clinton. Okay. Okay. Will you stop? stop. Okay. Fine. I okay. apologize. All right. And also on Friday, uh, we're uh, planning to have, and we're working it out to try to get Al Hudson on, the famed record producer. Okay. From right here in Little Rock. And apparently, he has some Prince stories as well. Who doesn't have a Prince story? Well, he actually produced one of Prince's big hits after Prince went through the uh, the fight with Warner Brothers. And Prince wanted to get something out. And he went to Al Hudson to get really? that done. So, uh, And we're expecting to get him on Friday, hopefully. So... We'll let you know how that works out as we go through uh, the week. So that ought to be pretty cool uh, as well. So, uh, again, want to thank our uh, uh, yeah, Latanya Robert is shady today. You know, so. Huh? <laughs> that was a legitimate question. I just wondered if they called Bill. Because mm, so. I mean, you know they got, you know they. they got, uh, no, no, what? No, oh, no, Dave, I can't no, believe you're doing that. What? Go. What, no, you just. If you want to throw shade, go ahead and throw shade. I'm not throwing shade. Okay, go ahead. It was a legitimate question, man. Okay, what was the question? question. What was the question? I wonder if they reached out to Bill Clinton to see if he could, like, you know, assist him in whatever's going on down there. Mm -hmm. No, sir, that's a legitimate question. That is a legitimate question. You know, Bill has disowned Arkansas since since he uh, 
ended his presidency. Yeah, Bill screwed us. You know, it was good for him financially to claim Arkansas while he was president, but once he was out of the presidency, he doesn't necessarily recognize Arkansas anymore, if you know. Nor has he come back, man. I doesn't mean, come think back. about it. If we had a president in Little Rock in Arkansas, mm. man, think about how we boom. Yeah, that 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 but that money that. that you could be making. Yeah, we don't have that because he said screw Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But y'all go ahead and love on Bill Clinton, y'all want mm-hmm. to. And by the way, Dave, mm-hmm. why didn't they call Bill Clinton? Um, I don't Did know. Did you man. ask? But hey, I love no, Charles. I, I love Charles, by the way. So I look forward to talking to him. All righty then. Hallelujah. Eight five 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 two five five six eight three is the number. And hey, what you, day is he gonna be on? By the way, uh, we're expecting him tomorrow. Tomorrow, cool. Yeah, I don't know why I've been looking. Uh, have you ever heard of Melanesians? No. Is that a fruit? No, actually, it's a, a people. Fruit. A people. Right. They are the only. Oh, Melanation. Yeah. It's, okay, it's, yeah. I've heard uh, of Melanation. The people only who are melanated. No. Oh, God. People who are melanated in melon. <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm. Come on, man. Come on. Man, how can I How can I soar with eagles when I work with turkeys, man? What's oh. up, Dave? Come on, man. Spit it out. <laughs> 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 All right. Oh, At least my saying is getting some use. <sighs> Uh, these are people who are, they live in the Solomon Islands. Solomon Islands, okay. And they are black. I mean, to the point, but the difference is that they have blonde hair and blue eyes. Black with blonde hair and blue eyes. We are some amazing people. Yeah. I, I don't know why, before the show, I just decided to look up Melanesia. We are some amazing people, you know. And you know, and I've been sitting here throughout the show, believe it or not, looking at pictures of Melanesians. These little kids are just so beautiful. I mean, they're black kids with blonde hair, and some of them even have blue eyes. Now, I already knew this. I already knew about Melanesia, but I don't know what possessed me today. You know, I was looking at. Well, I know what it was. Someone sent me a link, and it's called. The Fascinating History of Melanesians, the World's Only Black Blondes. And I was that was basically gonna do the black be the black fact of the day. Just like that, my head begins to hurt. That's that's amazing. Cause we just we can we come in all shapes, yeah. colors, you name it, we can do it. Yeah. You know, and this is you know, they are they're on the Solomon Islands off off of uh Australia, and you know, they try to attribute this to the uh, the Europeans going to the area and colonizing, but this has nothing to do with the Europeans. They've always been this way. It's natural, you know. So that'll give a lot of you women out there who got that blonde and blonde weaves. See, this natural. I'm a Melanesian. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But they are some beautiful kids. I don't know why that popped in my head. I was looking at that uh, during the break. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I know what I want to talk about uh, a little bit before we get out of here. So, did you watch any old, any of the Obama speech this weekend? You know, to the graduates. Okay. That means no. No. Why not? 
Oh, that's right. You don't like Obama, do you? I don't have anything against Obama. You don't like Obama. I don't have anything against Obama. <laughs> you're not. You're not. Gonna, you're not going to start this today. <laughs> but I don't have anything against Obama. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't watch any either. I wasn't interested in sitting and watching him do a commit. I thought it was neat because a lot of kids graduated over the weekend. And by the way, shout out to Jemiah Ivy, who is an intern here, who does some work for us. Uh, I talked to her over the weekend. She graduated as well. Proud of her. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, a lot of kids from high school and college graduated this weekend. He gave an address to the HBCU graduates and then he gave an address to the overall graduates. And I love one thing you can say about Obama. That brother smooth, man. S M O O V smooth. Do smooth, man. He smooth the other side. Of the and you understand why they hate Obama? Why Trump hates Obama? Trump will never be that cool. He'll never be that cool. And then there was Obama throwing shade at Trump undercover. But you knew exactly what he was talking about. It was just so sweet. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. So the other thing, quickly, and we got a few minutes to go on the show. So did you hear what Lindsey Graham said over the weekend? To my Trump side piece? <laughs> I haven't heard him uh, labeled as such, but, you know, that is an excellent, excellent label because that is his side piece. So you remember back when Obama was about to leave office and the vacancy on the Supreme Court came up and all of the Republicans said that we'll let the people decide that fake reason why they would not hear Merrick Garland or see him. And we know that it was simply to keep uh, Merrick Garland off the court. Right. Well, over the weekend, Lindsey Graham was asked, because there's an election coming up for Trump, if a vacancy came available, would they fill the seat after the election? Here's what Lindsey Graham said. The Senate would work to confirm a Supreme Court nominee this year if a vacancy arises, saying the circumstances are different from 2016 when Republicans blocked then-President Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland. Here's Graham. Well, Merrick Garland was a different situation. You had the president of one party nominating and you had the Senate in the hands of the other party. Uh, a situation where you've got them both would be different. I don't want to speculate, but I think appointing judges is a high priority for me in 2020. Full court press with Greta Van Susten. That's what he said on the, on the show. This is why I say you have to vote against anything and everything Republican. If it looks like a Republican, if it walks like a Republican, if it smells like a Republican, then you have to vote against it. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier about why it's important to understand 
all of those little tools. And Robert, I was sitting over here marveling at you. You make me I'm so, so proud sick. of you. You make me sick. <laughs> you make me sick. I almost cried. You make me sick. I was sitting over here marveling at you. You make me sick. Because you've come full circle. And I'm what? happy that you understand that all the tools that are, all the arrows that are in our quiver, we must be ready to shoot them. Would you not agree with that, Robert? <laughs> You got issues today, Black. You owe one today. But, yeah, I'll go with you on that one. I'll go with you on that one. So I'm, I'm just proud that, that I, I was trying to get back to that. Yeah, so I'm glad we had a little time. You went all the way around the block to get yeah, to that. Uh, I'm glad we had a little more time to get back to that. So, But the point is, in bringing this up, is that you see the hypocrisy of the Republican Party every day. Here's the other thing I heard over the weekend. So the Republican Party, or I should say the Trump administration, okay. they sent a letter to all. Now think about this. What if someone sent you a letter okay. and said, okay, you're in detention along with your children. Okay. If you want out of detention, you have to give up the rights to your children. And? That's what the Trump administration did this weekend to the I'm, Hispanics in detention. I'm never surprised by anything that the Trump administration do. I'm never surprised. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not surprised ever. I'm not, well, I should say Republicans because that's them too. Hey, we got a phone call. Hey, caller, what's up? I want my tater chips. Cliff! Cliff! What's up, Cliff? Oh, uh, he come to gloat. Listen to yeah, him. He, he come, come to, to gloat. gloat. We proud of you, Cliff, Yeah, man, man great job. Well, you're doing a great job, and we appreciate you securing both of those guests for us. They they fit right in line in what we, we're we trying to accomplish here. So uh, I just want to give you some kudos. Now, do you want barbecue or plain? Actually, you know what? I want some TGI Friday chips. See, now you, now you got to be difficult. We don't have we don't have a TGI Fridays in Little Rock anymore. Yeah, we, we got one in North Little Rock. Station. Oh, that's right. There is one at North Little Rock. Yeah. At the, in North Little Rock, I forgot about. I bought a beer. Let's go. Mm. They got one in Conway. Come on in the Conway. I got. Mm. I bought a beer. Let's go. Yeah, that one. Wait a minute. Do they sell beer in Conway? Yeah. In the oh yeah, that, in the restaurants. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Forgot. That's uh. And plus, we got to celebrate your birthday anyway because we get to do a Saturday. Yeah. So, so Cliff, what day anyway. you want to come to Conway? We'll meet you in Conway. I'll buy you all the Zimas you want. <laughs> all the what? All the Zimas. Zimas? They don't even sell those anymore. Uh, I don't drink that stuff. <laughs> Zimas? They don't even sell those anymore. Oh, those, I, I never understood the fascination. I don't know. Some things were always nasty. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I'll get you a nice, uh, I'll get you a, a big cold case of uh, Mike's Heart Lemonade. No. Mm-mm. No, dog. That's painful. Mm-mm, no. So, Cliff, we just asked you a question. What day do you want to come to Conway? So and we'll meet you and we'll have a couple of cold ones. Ooh. Well Ain't like you gotta go to work. I mean I got a busy schedule out here. You know, I, I gotta make uh arrangements for guests and call back emails. I got Assassin's Creed waiting on me to save the world. Oh god. Uh, oh, god. I got my garden. <laughs> Oh, Chris. You are terrible. I got my two little, 
small house dog over here who likes to stare at me all day. Mm, Make uh, sure they get their yard time and. Uh, okay, Cliff. Okay. Cliff, yeah, you Cliff. are kind of busy. Right? Will you when will will you check oh, your geez. schedule? <laughs> And pencil us in somewhere. Can you can you if, if, look over the next few days and pencil us in when we can come to meet in Conway and or if you want to come all the way to Little Rock, that's up to you. But we don't want you to make the whole drive. Ooh. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want to do that to you. So and then go, you know, go Conway, go Conway. and then now that now that everybody is not practicing social distancing, you never know. We might end up with an extra prize. Yeah. Like the coronavirus. The coronavirus. <laughs> they did have coronas in Conway. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, their sales are down now. Hey, by the way, before I forget, everybody, support Chief Humphrey. Don't let the don't let the FOP kill another unarmed black man. Send an email to board at LittleRock.gov, board at LittleRock.gov, and send one to the mayor, Mayor Scott at LittleRock.gov. Send a mayor. In the subject line, all you do is just put support chief. You ain't got to write a long dissertation. Just say support chief. Let's get this done. Let's not let him be run out of town by these racist FOP KKK folks. Well, and you know, I you know, I love your boy Russ Ray Cop, but he he's off base on this one. Well, Russ Russ doing what Russ does. I know. I mean, I know, you but can't he's fault Russ for that. No, but he's off. This is well, he's doing what he, he this does, is, he's doing what he does. Russ I, I understand. Job. He does a very good job of reporting the information. I understand. That's what he's doing. He's reporting but the information. But this is cutting off your nose to spite your face, because Russ is not for the FOP either. Okay, no. but again, so, like I said, yeah, so I'm just saying, Russ, Russ is doing what Russ does. Russ reports the information. I know. That's it. I know. So, Cliff, you got any other uh, golden nuggets you want to share with us before we hang up the phone? Uh, yes, there are more interviews coming soon. Uh, wait on some responses from people. Uh, hopefully, we'll all I want to know is when I'm when I'm gonna get to talk to DL. I don't care about the rest of this stuff, man. I'm waiting on a response from, from D.O. Hewley uh, as we, as we All speak. Right, cool. uh, I haven't heard anything. I might have to send another email. Uh, we're all waiting on a uh, confirmation email from Benjamin Crump in regards to the Breonna Taylor case. They're supposed to be sending me something back about an interview. Okay. Uh, hopefully uh, today or tomorrow. Um, and I emailed um, oh, a couple of people. I can't remember who it was. Uh, Killer Mike. Uh, I did send him an email as well. Um, David Banner, by the way. Did hey, you put that on your list. By the way, Chris, you ready for this? I mean, Chris, Jesus yes. Christ. By the way, Cliff, email, try to get in contact with Alice Falk, Hayward Finks, and whoever their attorney is, and see if we can get them on the show to talk about their lawsuit. See if we can get them on the show. Okay. Yeah, we want to hear um, what they got to say. I also contacted uh, Mr. Michael Emotep. Okay. Is he coming? I don't. I, I don't know. I, I just sent the email yesterday, so I'm hoping to hear back from him sometime next. Oh, and Sean and Sean King. Let's don't forget about him. Yeah. Who? Uh, Sean King. Am I? Who's that? Oh, uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, what's what's the guy named Sean that's from New York? <laughs> <laughs> he, he keeps giving you a hard time. Man. Cliff, bye. Peace, bro. Well, Cliff really gets on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you acting like that? I'm about to punish him. You know, I'm about to do something to him. I'm like send him a gag gift or something. You know, do something like that. That's what I said, Sean King. Talking about who's that? Big head sucker, you. 
All right, Robert. <laughs> I'm just enjoying it's just way too much. It's just, you black way people. too much. You black people are annoying. Way too much. Hey, this week, this week I'm quoting our man, y'all's president, um, the fifth president, if my memory serves correct, Andrew Jackson. Well, oh, God. The, the murderer in chief, the worst president in the history of America, not, except for Donald Trump. But I think it's important that we listen to what he says. Mm. I think it's important that we listen to what he says because this quote today, I sent it out to black folks. Are y'all ready? Mm -hmm. He says, who are we and for what are we going to fight? Let me me repeat that. And for what are we going to fight? Are we the titled slaves of George III? The The military folks of Napoleon the Great? Or the frozen peasants? Of the Russians are. No, we are the freeborn sons of America, the citizens of the only republic now existing in the world, and the only people on earth, listen to this carefully, the only people on earth who possess rights, liberties, and property, which they dare call their own. That's deep, boy. Mm. That's some deepness right there. Yeah. And then you go to the Hermitage and see. In, Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, see that, uh, by the way, he was the father of the Trail of Tears, too. So Yeah, that's deep right mm. there, though, man. All right, here's my quote. This is from someone by the name of Sonia Renee Taylor. I don't even know who she is, but I thought it's a great quote. We will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, Exhaustion, depletion, extraction. We should not long for return. My friends, we are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. Woo! Y'all have a great day. Hey, spend money in your own community. If you don't, nobody else will. Peace and love, black folk. You've been listening to Black Focus, where we discuss our issues with our solutions and our voices. Join us every weekday afternoon at 1 p.m. on joinetradio.com.